Welcome to the clinical podcast series brought to you by the American Academy of Optometry Foundation. Today's episode is entitled Limbal Stem Cell Deficiency Associated with Herpes Keratitis. It is my pleasure to thank our host, Dr. Tom Quinn, our topical expert, Dr. Walt Whitley, and our topical editor, Dr. Kelsey Steele. And now it's my pleasure to start today's broadcast. Greetings, all of you of curious minds. Today, we're going to talk about a paper that's discussing the relationship between herpes keratitis and limbal stem cell deficiency. I'm Dr. Tom Quinn, and our guest expert for today's podcast is Dr. Walt Whitley, who practices in an ODMD practice in Sparks, Nevada, the Eye Care Associates of Nevada. Welcome, Walt. Hey, Tom. Great to be here. Thanks for having me. Oh, boy, it is so great to have you here, Walt. You're the perfect man for this uh, topic. Um, This is based on a paper published by Carino Galliano et al., published in the August 2021 issue of Cornea. Can we start with what is limbal stem cell deficiency and what's its clinical presentation, Walt? Yeah, you bet. Well, limbal stem cells are located, as you know, at the limbus, and it is, uh, it, what it does, it, pr- it produces the basal cell layer of the corneal epithelium. And in limbal stem cell deficiency, if we don't have that normal turnover, the normal migration and replenishment of the corneal epithelium, uh, what can happen is the conjunctiva ends up growing over the cornea and can cause neovascularization and can cause scarring and a, a, a condition called conjunctivalization, where we're gonna have that conjunctival epithelium go over the cornea and lead to decreased vision amongst other uh, complications that can occur with that. Great, great summary of that, Walton. So this paper discusses that, but specifically in the relationship with herpes keratitis and limbal stem cell deficiency. So um, what did they find in this paper? Well, you know, I'll I'll get to that findings, but one thing I forgot to mention is the signs and symptoms. And so when it comes to the signs and symptoms of the condition, chronic pain, decreased vision, this is what patients are are experiencing. Uh, They may notice persistent, or you may notice persistent epithelial defects, that conjunctivalization that I mentioned, as well as neovascularization that can occur. There's many different causes for this, whether it's going to be congenital, whether it's due to acquired, which is a more common form, whether due to contact lens wear, which I know you do a lot of contact, so you may see some of these patients, uh, toxicity to some of the medications, chemical injuries, thermal injuries, but also infections such as trachoma, uh, herpes simplex, herpes zoster. And then I've had a few cases that I co-managed with our cornea specialist when I was in Virginia that had Steven Johnson syndrome or our mucous membrane pemphigoid. And then, you know, traditionally the treatments for it has been, well, we remove the offending agent, We're going to utilize the various lubricants, the anti-inflammatories, whether they're steroids, whether immunomodulators. If that's not working, we may want to consider an amniotic membrane or a graft. Uh, One thing, anytime that cornea is compromised, we want to make sure we're testing for corneal sensitivity because we know that that can be compromised as well. And hopefully with those measures, we're able to to improve the cornea. Worst case scenario, the the patients may be a candidate for a limbal stem cell transplant, uh, which can help with the ocular surface. So, Walt, the good news is we've got a lot of potential treatment approaches. Does this paper help us 
choose the right treatment approach? What did what they find? Well, what they were looking at, despite the common nature of herpes uh, keratitis and the significant burden of the disease, because as we know, herpes can lead to ulceration, can lead to severe scar for our patients. And we know patients may need a corneal transplant because of that. But there's been no studies to date looking at the correlation between herpes keratitis and limbal stem cell deficiency. And so in this study, they wanted to look at demographic features and clinical characteristics of both herpes keratitis and limbal stem cell deficiencies to define the prevalence of how often those two are occurring together and to identify any clinical factors that are correlated with the development of limbal stem cell deficiency. Okay, did, is there, did they find any difference between zoster and simplex? Yeah, they, they did. And so when they looked at this, this paper, it was a retrospective study. This was done at Mass Eye and Ear over about a three-year period. And in this, they found about 626 patients that had herpetic keratitis. When, it came, when they broke it down to those associated with uh, limbal stem cell deficiency or developed it, it ended up being about 9.3% of that 626 patients. Of those, the prevalence herpes, herpes zoster keratitis was about 13.2% and herpes simplex was about 7%. When we break those down even more, when you're looking at herpetic keratitis, the majority of those patients that developed limbal stem cell deficiency was going to be those patients that had stromal disease. And I believe it was like 58, 59% of patients followed by epithelial disease, which was about 39% of patients that presented one thing they also found is patients that had glaucoma that were on ocular hypertensives, those were more likely to develop into uh, a limbal stem cell deficiency. Great. Great summary of uh, the findings and a great summary of what the condition of limbal stem cell deficiency is. I think many of us in the profession uh, scratch our heads a little bit when we hear that term. So thank you for helping define that and reviewing the results of the paper, Walt. Thank you very much for being with us and thank you all for listening. Thank you. And a special thanks to CooperVision for their educational grant to make it all happen.